Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face, they basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section. And you can reach you that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. And if you want more shows on a weekly basis, all you got to do is go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, become a member. There you get access to the bonus shows every Thursday. You get the ad-free listening of the Tuesday shows and overtime segments when they're available. And this coming Thursday, we are finally officially dropping the members app for members. All you got to do is go to your app store on Apple or Google Play download the confessionals app and if you're a member you'll be able to log in starting thursday with special instructions by the way so uh tune into that on the website members so you can know how to get into the app your first attempt i'm looking forward to it and you should be too this week we are dropping this episode early why are we dropping it early because this is a swap cast with me and wes germer from sasquatch chronicles You see, I just got back from a trip to Washington where I went out hunting Bigfoot. I went to Wes's encounter location, spent several nights there, and we did have some activity there as well. I had a lot of other experiences that maybe were Bigfoot related, and maybe they were, but you will hear about it on this recording that I did with him for his show, and I wanted to share with you guys as well. So here we are dropping this week's public episode a few days early, so it syncs up with Wes's show and my experiences in Washington. This was a great conversation about me and the team hunting Bigfoot, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to this swap cast right now. father too you would tell the same story in that same area there was a horse like a horseman so there definitely is that that creature out there so they say these things can turn into wolves they can turn into right you know different creatures cougars whatever my name is tony merkel host of the confessionals podcast i've interviewed over 500 witnesses to the strange and unexplained last year i assembled a team of like-minded guys to come with me on a quest to document and even possibly experience some of these mysterious phenomena for ourselves. We started getting lights out here over the ridge. Here they come again. Here they come again. That gray container was right here. Correct. Look left, look left. Up Up there? They'll come from the west. Now it's in the sky. So it's old news. It's old news, yeah. This kind of stuff is connected in some way. What if those guys, whoever was, that was a decoy? God created everything, including these UFOs, including all this phenomena. God created it all. 
Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Got a great show planned for you. Uh, my good friend Tony Merkel will be on the show. Uh, he has a uh, podcast called The Confessionals. If you go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, you can check it out. And whatever podcast player you're listening to uh, for Sasquatch Chronicles, definitely go and check out Tony's show uh, if you're not already a listener. There before the intro, you heard the Shape of Shadows trailer. And uh, Tony did a screening out here in Battleground, Washington. It was really cool to meet some of the fans and, and members that came out to see us. Uh, we'll be talking about the film tonight and his experience out here. He's working on a new project uh, regarding a, a Bigfoot film uh, that he's doing. And he was gracious enough to ask me if I'd like to be involved. And I you know, was more than happy to to be involved in the project. But I know he spent um, a, a day or two out at the Browns. He was uh, interviewing eyewitnesses over in Oregon uh, that had sightings and so I thought I'd you know ask Tony if he'd like to come on and kind of share his experiences for the week and talk about this new film, uh, The Shape of Shadows. If you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. And if you get a chance, check out sasquatchchronicles.com. You can become a member and get additional shows. Uh, let's jump into it tonight. I want to welcome uh, Tony to the show. Uh, Tony, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, brother. Long time no see. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it was good to have you out here, man. It was good to see you, and uh, welcome to uh, Washington. It's wet and it's cold, um, but uh, I was glad to see you. It seemed like it went by so quick, and I know. Uh, why don't we start with the shape of shadows? You know, I I want to talk a little bit about the film because even that night, I didn't have time to ask you questions or anything that. I personally wanted to ask you, and uh, but we did this. Um, you, well, we you did this screening, and you were gracious enough to invite me along. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the the film, the screening that that everyone saw that that came out that night. It went good. We uh, we did a whole advanced screening where uh, we took a product that's probably about ninety ninety five percent done, and we wanted to test it on an audience, and so. We thought it'd be a great opportunity for us since we were going out to Washington to film anyways for the next film. Uh, we figured why not go and get a whole theater and fill it up with people to watch it. And so I think it went really well. I mean, I, I wasn't sure exactly what to expect, but, uh, you know, shoot, we, we got a 150 seat theater and it was jam packed. I mean, at one point I thought that you and I were sitting in somebody's seats and I was like, dang it, we're gonna have to get up and <laughs> at my own, at my own film. I got to get out of my own seat, but, uh, it went good and people enjoyed the film. Uh, there were some good suggestions on things to tweak that, uh, Ward is planning on you utilizing that, those suggestions as much as possible. Uh, and I think people really enjoyed the footage we were able to capture in Utah. Uh, so yeah, all in all, I think the shape of shadows was a, was a good, experience putting it in front of other people and i'm looking forward to releasing it to the world uh sometime i would say probably in the beginning of summertime is when it's going to be out for everybody to to view yeah the property is called space wolf uh ranch and it's out there in utah and they experience you know skinwalkers lights uh creatures a lot of weird stuff goes on on this property and one of the first things in the film that uh, really compelled me was looking at this Connex, this big, huge storage container on this guy's property. I'm not sure why he had a, a storage container on his property, but anyway, it's this huge storage container on this guy's property. And overnight it was moved. It was moved. Um, and I missed part of it because I got up and asked the, the theater people to turn on the air in there because it was getting really hot, at least for me. And when I came back, I kind of missed it. But I know it was picked up and it was moved and kind of put in a place where uh, I guess a trailer used to be or something, but it happened overnight. And in order to move one of these connexes, I mean, you don't just push one, you need equipment to move it. And how this thing was moved overnight, it was weird. And and I was curious, did you make any sort of connection with, because uh, there used to be a motorhome there and this connex, a storage unit was actually moved and put where that motorhome was. Did you ever make a connection with that with the owner? 
So, I mean, a lot of the connection made is like way over my head. Uh, I'm just <laughs> Mr. Podcaster, you know, like I, I'm not the science guy. And so uh, there have been people, though, making connections. And it, it seems like there's some kind of magnetic anomaly going on underneath the ground there. Now, how does that connect to the lightning bolt? I'm not exactly sure. But uh, for the people listening, this this uh this storage container, it was probably, I'd say it's about 40 feet long. If you think about these uh, shipping containers on docks at, at, you know, in LA and New York, these big shipping yards, that's what that is. And it's just sitting there, it moves. But um, also before that was there, there was an RV there of some researchers, I think it was. And daytime, clear skies, a lightning bolt just shoots and they estimate it's about, it was about a 12 foot wide lightning bolt. And it, it just disintegrated the whole RV. Uh, there was still uh, melted metal on the ground when we got there from that RV. And uh, Christian brought some home with him. I was like, oh, bro, I don't know if I'm taking that with me. <laughs> I'll leave that. Let that where it's at, you know. But um, there's uh, there's been other things as well with this. Because, I mean, where that is sitting, it's on a hill. And the property's on a hill. And the first night there... Uh, my producer was out there with Christian. They arrived the day early and Joseph had really bad knee. He needed to get surgery. In fact, he did get surgery. Uh, I think it was last November. And, and so, Joseph's the uh, producer. Right. Yeah. And so he he's he's there the first night with Christian. And just by being on the property for, let's just say, not even 24 hours, he could literally take off his knee brace and the whole week he didn't use his knee brace at all. And it was my first time meeting him in person. So I didn't, I didn't really understand how, how dramatic that was, you know, for him. But he did, when he got home, I'd say about two, three days after he got home back to Colorado, he had to start wearing his knee brace again. And he went through with having a surgery in November. But I know when he left there, he was hoping that, hey, maybe, maybe I don't need the surgery now, you know, but he's, he went into it, you know, he's my producer. I mean, he, he's not uh, a researcher. He's not a podcaster. Well, he, he's starting a podcast, but uh, nevertheless, he's my producer. He's the guy in charge of arranging all the stuff. He doesn't really have a, a deep opinion on, well, at least when we went out there, he didn't have a deep opinion on this stuff. He was just like, um, my job is to make sure this thing gets done in an appropriate manner. And so uh, it, it was really interesting because I, I almost view him as like a bystander almost in the whole thing because he just he wasn't there for what the same reason we were there for uh but nevertheless he had that experience so there there was a an um oh his name is james keenan i forget what his official title is but uh he get he does a lot of testing on the property with the magnetic anomalies and he has confirmed there are hot spots on the property that are stronger than others and one of those spots is exactly where that shipping container was sitting and then moved but it like for the audience to understand like this container literally was lifted up rotated 90 degrees and dropped uh probably i'd say about 15 feet away and when this happened we it happened a week before we got out there we actually when i say we i mean joseph joseph called uh heavy machinery rental companies in the area asking if anybody had rented a crane or something like that and the answer was no. Also, there's only one entrance to the property, and that has to go by a really small, um, it's like a shack, really. And a, and a, a caretaker lives in there. He kind of takes care of the property. And there's no way you're pulling in a big machine like that on their property without him hearing it, because it's not like you know a, a recording studio where it's soundproof. So uh, he, he himself has said, no, it's he hasn't seen or heard anything and what's i'll wrap it up wrap it up with this here uh what's final on this is that if somebody was lifting this container with machinery one you would probably see marks in the ground of them coming in and out digging you know it, it's, it's a whole process but you would lift it high enough to move it well what this, what we experienced with this is there were several rocks on the ground that this container was sitting on top of and when you when it lifted it up and moved, you actually see the scrape marks on the rocks where the container moved. So the container didn't lift 10 feet in the air, 15 feet in the air. It literally lifted maybe five, six inches, just enough to catch some rocks as it was moving and rotating. And so it, it, if you're going to even try pranking somebody, you would probably do it 
you know, expeditiously, not, you know, let's, let's, let's try to, you know, scrape the rocks just to really kind of throw them a curveball. So it's a very interesting situation with that container for sure on the property and it's unsolved really. Yeah. And there's so many other things in the film, like you guys captured these lights that would just pop up. Um, they weren't planes. I mean, and they were different colors. You'd see red ones pop up. You would see um, like flying balls of light in the sky. And, you know, when I was out in Vernal for Phenomicon, I probably talked to more people who had seen UFOs and who had seen Bigfoot. It almost seemed like everyone in Vernal had seen a UFO. Um, that area has like a weird vibe to it. It's really hard to uh, put your finger on what it is, but that whole area just has a weird vibe to it. And I know when Joseph, when you guys all came over for dinner at my place, uh, Joseph was telling me that, you know, he had he had to get knee surgery. It was bone on bone. You know, he had to wear this brace and he could barely walk without this brace. But when he was on the property, he took the brace off and had no problem walking around, which is strange. Um, what do you think's going on on that property? I mean, even the 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 ritual circle that you guys found. So in the film for the audience, they find this weird uh, ritual circle. It's got like a, a dead animal's head in the middle, and it looks like some weird satanic circle that on this guy's property. And I feel bad for the homeowner. I mean, I don't know what the Native American culture is, but I, I can tell you what West Germans culture is. I'd go out there with gasoline, dump it all over it, and I'd burn that thing. Um, it, a lot of weird stuff. What do you think's going on out there after you've been there? So we went out there and we, we don't have access to Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, we actually, even throughout the filming process, tried our hardest not even to say the word Skinwalker because apparently there's like legal terms trying to, you know, they're trying to lock that down and I don't know how you can, but we're just trying to play it safe because, you know, we're just starting out over here. We're not trying to get sued early on. Uh, but I'll tell you, man, one thing that we're seeing more and more of is emphasis on science and with the paranormal. People want to use science to prove the paranormal. People want to use science to help aid them in their paranormal investigations. And I kind of, I mean, I do to a certain extent. I mean, even if you want to go down to it, I mean, a camera is science, right? Um, but I kind of want to just exist in these environments and let the environment come to me, you know, and, 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 you know, when we when we hear people talk about these experiences with whatever it is, a lot of times it catches them off guard because they weren't expecting it. They weren't out there asking for it. It just happened. Right. And so going out there, we had that kind of mindset. And then, well, if you have that kind of mindset, who do you want to talk to out there? Do you want to do you want to line up a bunch of researchers and, and scientists to talk to about, you know, the paranormal and why portals are opening up on this property? Probably not. It's probably not going to go very far. Uh, so what we did is we wanted to talk to people who did experience this stuff. And so uh, we spent time, especially with two, uh, emphasize, emphasizing on two uh, Native Americans. We wanted to get the Native American perspective because we went out there with a hunch that the, the whole Skinwalker Ranch, it's Sherman Ranch thing. I mean, it was known as Sherman Ranch first. The Shermans owned it back in the 90s. And they were the first uh, white people to own the property. And there's a lot of people, uh, Native Americans out there, from what I understand, that debate whether that was even kosher because they're not supposed to own that land. That's Native American. It's on the reservation. And so back in the 90s, when all this bizarre stuff started happening on the Sherman Ranch and they, they started reporting and talking about it, it kind of got a life of its own. But we went out there with the hunch that, you know, this stuff is probably happening well before the Shermans got there. And uh, we, that's kind of where we were going with. And it turns out it's true. It's, it, it, paranormal doesn't know the property lines and say, oh, that's, that's the end of the Sherman Ranch, guys. We got to turn around and go back. You know, hey, hey, portal boy, come back over here. Like, and and it, it just shows to be true because uh, Ryan Burns, who uh, bought Space Wolf Research, the property that butts up against uh, Skinwalker Ranch, and that's where we were at, that's Space Wolf Research. Uh, he bought it for that reason to document anomalies and, and crazy stuff. And he's had, he's caught, you know, like he caught the lightning bolt on, on camera, uh, from uh, CCTV, uh, you know, what's it called? CCTV cam or something like that. Yeah. I always forget that stuff, but, um, anyways, um, he, he caught that and he's caught, uh, countless UFOs, um, 
he caught a being walking across his property. He's caught uh, portals uh, on his property opening up, what seemed to be portals. And um, he had a caretaker that was there before the current one. And the exit of that caretaker is interesting because, uh, and this was the start of a rule that Ryan has, which is no guns on his property. He didn't always have that rule. Ryan bought the property because he wants the activity. He wants to study it. So he doesn't want anything that is of the other, whether it's the skinwalkers, portals, Bigfoot, Dogman, any of that, to feel threatened on his property. And one night there were, I think it was at least two upright walking dogs along the fence line of his property. And they jumped the fence and came in on the property. And uh, his caretaker, and I think his caretaker had a friend over, they saw it and they unloaded on it and nothing happened. And uh, that's, that, that, that night scared the caretaker away <laughs> and uh, he, had to get, he had to find a new property manager. Um, but uh, that, that started the whole rule because Ryan doesn't want people shooting at this stuff because he wants, he wants it to be like almost like a safe haven. And so uh, that, that's kind of when we went out there, that's kind of what our mindset was. We decided to, we, w- we didn't take guns with us uh, out of respect for Ryan. And we did this uh, gun free, which is typically not the MO and not really our comfort zone. Uh, and not, not that we were looking to, you know, we're not looking to shoot ourselves a Bigfoot today, boys. Uh, we're, we're more just uh, <laughs> yeah. more concerned about the, 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 just the implications of being out in nature, you know. Uh, you just never know what you're going to run across. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm a Tennessean, so you can figure out, you know, how often I leave my house without a handgun. So uh, it, it's this, this is how we, we kind of practice our, 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 our craft filming. But, um, but yeah, so that's the property Space Wolf Research. And uh, that's kind of how we went about the whole thing. And our, I, I think we, we did accomplish what we went out there for. I think we went out there to get the native perspective. Uh, we were fortunate to find a lot of different evidences when it comes to the ritual circle, to the, the trackway that was transforming from human to what seemed to be horse uh, and the lights in the sky. But all that, all that stuff seemed to be confirmed by the natives when, when they either experienced it for themselves or we showed them the footage. Uh, they, they see, they, they seem to see what we saw and said that, yeah, that's a lot of activity that has to do with skinwalkers. Yeah. That trackway was something else in the film, uh, for the audience. It looked like a man's footprints going up this embankment and slowly becomes a horse's trackway. And out there in Utah, where you guys are at, I mean, it's very dense clay soil. There would have to be a ton of weight to actually I mean, that trackway went down where it slowly became like a horse hoof um, and all the trackways. were. I was shocked how deep it was. And I know the owner has a different take on it. I'd be the complete opposite. I'd be like, get your guns. <laughs> Let's get rid of this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll tell you uh, what you're saying about the trackway and the weight. That's something to be really not glossed over, you know, because what we have to understand is that. It, it, what seems, I'm not saying what it is, you know, but I'm just saying what it seemed to be is a human footprint or trackway transforming into what seemed to be horse. But from the human to the horse, it seems like the weight stayed the same, which was extremely heavy and uh, deep impact into the ground. It just, it, there's, there's, there's some really bizarre nature to that kind of stuff because you, you would think that if somebody is a skinwalker, because it, it, the idea of skinwalker being, you know, a, a native or, or somebody doing black magic, dark magic to transform their bodies, you would think that they wouldn't start out so gosh darn heavy. And uh, it, it seems like that maybe not not the case. And may, does that have anything to do with the magnetic anomalies in the, in the area? I don't know. But uh, there's a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks. And um uh, I'm just glad I was able to go out there and document it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, the film, again, is called The Shape of Shadows, and I hope everyone goes and checks it out. Uh, you watched the trailer underneath this episode, uh, but I know when you were out here, we, we were doing more than just um, this film. You're, you're working on your next film, 
And you had met with a lady over in Oregon that talked about seeing the Sasquatch kind of move into a what we call the spider position. Uh, what what episode was that on the confessionals? Oh shoot, man! I think it was two ninety nine. It was two ninety nine. It was either two ninety nine or two o two because we were talking about Ryan and he was on my show too. So it was one of those two. But I think it was two ninety nine. The spider crawl. I'm almost certain of it. Uh, and we had uh, um, Joanna on the, that episode. And what was interesting about that, and it's so cool how time over time, things just kind of tie together because I was interviewing her, her uh, sister-in-law and we do this interview. And then she tells me my, my, my sister-in-law, my brother's wife has a Bigfoot experience. And I want her to tell you about it. And she kind of just throws the phone at her. She's like, here, tell him, you know? And so Joanna wasn't comfortable talking about this. She, she uh, didn't want to call it Bigfoot. She just said, I don't know what I saw. She proceeds to tell me on the episode and then in person when we came out that she was out looking for mushrooms. And this was at the base of Mount Hood, like the Mount Hood area. There was a lot of down trees and, and so many that I, I got the picture, that mental image that there were no trees up. I don't know what the situation is, but where she was at, tons of down trees. And they've gone out there a lot of times because there's tons of mushrooms out there. And she arrives and she, what she thought was a man with like a hatchet or an ax just pounding away at the trees. And she, her first reaction was, man, like somebody found our good spot and they're taking all the mushrooms. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it was like territorial kind of thing for her. And then when she puts her hands up above her eyes so she could kind of see with the sunlight shining down, whatever this was, it seemed like, and this is what she said to me when I was out there, as soon as she re- like focused in on it and started realizing that that's not really a man, it almost like it sensed that she was aware of it and that it was aware of her. And it stopped and it turns and it looks at her. And then it proceeds to do something that's just, incomprehensible. Uh, th- this thing, this is not a, a, a terrain that's uh, flat. It's extremely sharp, uh, a, a, star, a sharp incline. In fact, it's so sharp that we couldn't find a spot that would replicate it very well because we couldn't get to the actual spot because when we got out there, it started to snow and we were in an RV and we're like, well, we're running this thing. We better not total it the first day. So we, we went back down the mountain a little bit to a, an area that wasn't snowing. And we found a really steep hill to shoot her story in front of. And she's like, this isn't steep enough, but we'll do what, we'll do what we can. She said that when she turned, when it turned and looked at her, it starts to back up away from her, but it didn't back up away from her. Like you would think, like if you're picturing Patty and Patty sees you and then just starts walking backwards on two legs, not the case. She said this thing with its two legs, and its arms started crawling up the mountainside backwards, like as if it didn't have any, um, what, what's it called when you have all that flexibility in your arms? Uh, um, I, I'm drawing a blank. It's um, not ambidextrous. It's uh, double jointed. Double jointed. Thank you. It, it, it was like it was double, severely double jointed. And it just never took its eyes off her and just walked backwards so smoothly though. She said it wasn't struggling. It wasn't the first time it's ever done this. She said it was like, she said it was like a spider crawl or an octopus arms moving. It's just, she said it was just so fluent and just, it just, just terrained the top up that hill, like nothing and never, never locking eyes with her. And um, it scared the hell out of her. She (laughs) turned around and didn't go back that day. Uh, but since then and stuff, I mean, she's really kind of come around to the idea that this could be a Bigfoot and it has a lot to do with your experience, Wes, because on, on that recording with her, I had no idea what I was going to talk to her about. Like, all I knew is this lady has a Bigfoot encounter. And when she starts telling me this and she's struggling, man, cause she does not want to say it's Bigfoot. She's embarrassed almost by it. Cause she's like, I don't know what this is. You're going to think I'm crazy. I was like, I, I, on the show. I told her, I was like, listen, I got a friend here named Wes and he's got a podcast. And like, I told her about your experience and I actually played her clips from when you and I did it years ago for like, I don't know, my one year anniversary of the podcast, we had you on the show. 
I played the clip of her telling her, showing her where you mentioned about the spider walk. And, and uh, from that recording with her, she got much more confident in what she saw. Now she, I, she's really comfortable talking Bigfoot when it comes to her experience. And uh, she's very familiar with your show now. She's like, <laughs> once I played that for her, she started listening to your show and, uh, you know, got enlightened. But um, it, it's one of those wild stories that doesn't seem natural, hard to even think up. But uh, for me personally, it was uh, very validating just because uh, it was it was somebody that didn't know who I was, doesn't know who you are. And they're saying the same stinking thing that so many people are saying, including yourself. That back when you first said it, people were like, they don't do that. And it's like, well, apparently they do. Apparently they do. Yeah, I got so much crap for that when I when I talked about my encounter. Uh, all the experts and and researchers in the Bigfoot community were like, oh, they don't move like that. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you, man. But, you know, Joanna's, what she's describing is is very close to what I saw. I mean, I described it more like a spider. I know she said octopus, but I mean, it's a very strange movement. It's a very fluid movement. They have no problem doing. And I think when you brought up it being double jointed, that's a kind of a great way to look at it. Uh, It's odd. It's strange. And I know we went up to uh, where my encounter spot happened and you guys wanted to film it and everything. And when we got out of the RV, because we had to walk up this huge hill uh, to get to the encounter spot because we couldn't drive the RV up there. There's no place to turn around. Uh, it started snowing and I was like, oh, great. And as we're walking up there, you know, I have cameras in my face and my nose is running and I'm like freezing my balls off as, as we're walking up this hill. And w- when I was walking up there, I remember looking down and seeing the shoe and the shoe was brand new. It wasn't a, an old shoe and it was tied like someone like it had come off from someone running. And I remember going, hmm, that that's strange. Uh, but we go up, we film the encounter spot, and I'm like, I can't wait to get the hell out of there. I'm like, okay, great. Are we done? Let's go. And as we're leaving, uh, we saw this, um, I know we'll talk more about it, but this weird situation down at the bottom of the the hill where we parked the RV and where I saw that shoe. But I'm telling you, man, that whole area through there, has a, a very, um, there's a feeling when you go into it. And the feeling you have during the day is completely different than the feeling you have at night when you're there. It's a strange place. Yeah. So the area is everything I saw online come to life. You know, uh, you know, over the years doing what I do, uh, I, you know, you're looking for show art, you're looking for pictures or things, and you're looking for a picture from the Pacific Northwest and you see all these and they're beautiful, right? Being there in person, it was like, holy crap. Like it really is a different kind of forest than anything else in this country. I mean, I've been in the woods in Pennsylvania, here in Tennessee, Smoky Mountains. Uh, it's just different. It hits a lot different and it's a different kind of wild. I mean, I, I live near the Smokies. Smokies are huge deep, tons of forest and wild. And there, there's a plane crash in the, folk, in the Smokies they can't get to. Like it crashed and it's just overgrown and nobody can get to it. I, I, I plan on trying to get there one day. But it's like, I have that here. Going out there, it's just, it's magnified 10 times. And so that, that kind of took me away. Now getting to your encounter spot, I'll tell you, man, like you weren't joking because you're driving on a road and it's, it's you're getting out there and you see all the woods, the forest, the mountains and the rivers, the waterfalls, and you're on paved road. And then all of a sudden the road stopped, stops being paved. And that's, we were supposed to film this back in February and you got dumped on in snow and you're like, we're not gonna be able to make it up there. I'm like, come on, you're probably exaggerating, bro. I know you don't like going up there, but you're canceling my trip for it. No, that's not the case. Uh, it's not paved road. It's just, it's not even maintained tons of potholes, which we could get into that because that that's wild in itself because you guys had to fly down that thing. But um, I mean, w- when you get up there, it's just so much more out there, further out there than you already were, already were. And so I guess if I could sum up uh, wh- what I felt in the area on during the daytime, uh, I would say haunting. It was very haunting. Just knowing that 
I know what crawls through those woods, not just Bigfoot, but the lights, it's haunting. You can see how these things can dwell in such an area undetected. It's, it's very haunting. Yeah, I wasn't super comfortable being there. It's been years since I've been there. Uh, but when we were there, I was like, okay, we did all the filming. And I was like, let's get the hell out of here. So I start marching down the hill and I turn around and everyone's like 200 feet behind me. I'm like, the hell are you guys doing? Let's go. Let's get out of here. <laughs> it's time to go. Um, and as I was going down, I passed that shoe again. I think it hit me at that moment. Like, okay, this is, this is kind of weird. I mean, what is a brand new shoe doing tied? It looks like someone was running and it came off. Why would they just leave a brand new shoe here? But then I was like, okay, well, it's none of my business. So I get in the camper and um, you got in the camper and across right across from us, I wouldn't really call it a campsite because you don't pay to stay there or anything like that. But I guess it's, you can consider it a campsite. There's this uh, sprinter van, this work van and this campsite. And I mean, it was a brand new van. I mean, it was probably a 2022, maybe a 2023 van and this campsite that looked like someone left in a hurry. So you and I were in the the camper and I think it was Joseph that went over there and started looking and he found the other shoe, I think just on the edge of that, that campsite, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. There was a, another shoe. Uh, I think we even found a, a, the like the insole of a shoe. It, it it was very weird, and it got much weirder as time went on. Because when we first saw the van, we we're like, "Oh, that's weird," but the guy must be around somewhere. So you're you're kind of like walking around this guy's campsite because I mean he he backs in a Sprinter van to this thing, and it still had snow on it. So we knew that it hadn't been driven very long. And so we're just kind of like moseying around just to make sure everything's cool. And then we saw this bong sitting out in the middle of like the trees, like a very big, looks expensive bong and uh, tons of weeds, containers of weed. And uh, he, he had his poop bucket and his shovel and an axe. I mean, it was an active spot. And so we're like, oh, that's weird. You know, like, I guess he just wants to be left alone or, you know, in all honesty, part of me was like, man, this guy might be dangerous. There, there might be a reason why he's all the way out here. Uh, the license plate says South Dakota and on the side of it is a work van with a with a phone number. I'm thinking like this guy might have had a warrant out for his arrest, got it notified that, hey, you're going to be pulled in for, um, you're going to be arrested. And so he decided just to leave in the work truck and just bail for Washington. You know, th- th- those are the kind of things that were running through my head. Uh, didn't think much past it though. And we, we kind of left the area and it wasn't until, because we went back at night. You said, that place is creepy at night. Yeah, I know. I know. Because <laughs> we went back to your house and we shot the the, the story and the interview again at, at your place. And it's going to be perfect for switching back and forth cinema, with the cinema. But, um, which by the way, uh, your girlfriend can cook, man, very much. So uh, we greatly appreciated the home cooked meal. Uh, it was awesome. But uh, I'll tell you, like we we go back out there and... I'll tell you this, sitting down with you, this is the first time that I ever sat down with you face to face in person. And you told me your story. Like we were out on the mountain, distracted. I know Joseph was walking in the tree line looking for stuff. And uh, I don't know whatever came of that, but we did find what looked like impossible footprint, but it's hard to tell. Um, But it was the first time I sat down with you and cause I've, I, you and I've talked about your experience over the years and, um, it hit different, man. It hit different. And then I'm sitting there thinking, am I really going to go out there tonight now? Like after I heard this story again, uh, I was strongly, strongly considering, uh, just calling it, Hey, you're a wimp and not going out there. Cause I was like, I was nervous. And I told the guys I, I, several times after we left your house, uh, I was very nervous about doing this, but you got to do it. You got to do it. We're out there. And so we go up there and we park the van at the same spot. And one of the first things we notice is that car, that, that sprinter van is still there. And we walked around the site. Everything was still the same from during the daytime that day. And so we proceeded up the mountain to do what we were do- we were going to do. We figured, you know, maybe this guy 
Because there was some kind of construction down the mountain a little bit. Maybe he's with them and, you know, whatever. So we go up that night and we do uh, our investigative stuff. And quite honestly, because you told us, you said it kind of gets loud at night, you know, around two o'clock morning, you start hearing sounds that you never heard before and all that. Uh, the first night up there, it was it was pretty quiet. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a yawn fest, but it, it like it, it for it really wasn't a whole lot. Uh, last night, not so much. We can get to that. But we went back down the mountain. The Sprinter van was still there. So we're like, okay, mental note, this thing all day during the day and at night, the guy is in here. Check. Got it. We went about our way and we decided to, well, we went to the Browns property the next night. And so we were gone for a few nights. And then we came back our last night and the thing was still there. It hadn't been moved. Nothing's been touched at all. And now we're starting to think something might've happened to this guy because it's been days. Like, like we were there the first day. Okay, fine. He'll be back. It's been days and nothing's been touched. Nothing's been moved. We got these, these, this fresh pair of kicks away from the campsite. And all I'm thinking is, and I, and I think I even said this on camera several times. Like I'm, I had a hard time not going Bigfoot, <laughs> you know, like one plus one equals two. And, uh, and I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case, but knowing what happened in that area to you, what was so eerie was we, we sat down with you in your studio and we were talking. I remember asking you if you thought you'd be here today, if you and Woody were hiking up there versus being in your, your, your car. And I believe you said, I don't think so. Well, now I'm up there and there's this sprinter van untouched, the campsite untouched. And all I'm thinking is, what if this guy was on, on the John right there and something came into his camp and was between him and his vehicle? And he had to go the opposite way of his vehicle because this thing was, and, and it, it got him. What if, it, what, what if that happened? I don't know. I mean, all of a sudden I got a missing 411 <laughs> film and it's just like, it, it, it's just, it's a wild thing. There, there's been, we called it in, we called it in uh, and uh, let the authorities know that, you, you know. Wipe off all the fingerprints first. Yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) Joseph will walk over to the camper and hand me stuff from the campsite. And I'm like, uh, let me wipe off my fingerprints off that. Don't hand me any more things off this campsite. I I want nothing to do with this. This this isn't a West Grimmer problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we we contaminated the site real good because we're professional contaminators. You know, don't don't trust us. If we find a Bigfoot footprint, you're going to see a step in it before we we cast it. So, <laughs> but I was even I was my skin was crawling watching the film in the theater because that's exactly what I did on the film. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but I was like I was trying to show one of the natives. Uh, that the the pathway and I literally you see me stepping in the footprints and people are like oh my god what is he doing the fact is though um we weren't planning on casting any of those because they 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 weren't castable but uh we were in the middle of casting some some prints down below when I did that so I don't know if that helps at all though yeah and I know as we were leaving that area we did see uh logging a uh, logging crew leaving but there was nothing about this campsite that made me think this guy was a logger um, the van, I mean, and again, the campsite was weird. It looked like someone had exited that campsite very, very quickly. Here's what threw me off. One of his shoes were going was going up that hill, and the other one was over by um, his campsite. And I remember thinking, like, why would he run uphill? Yeah, yeah. And and what we found is um, a pair of shoes in the in the driver's side of the vehicle as well. We shined the lights down, and there was a pair of shoes down there too. So. We got shoes outside uh, sprayed around the area. We got a pair of shoes inside the van. How many shoes does this guy have? There's probably a good chance that we got somebody out there with no shoes on. I mean, like he he was in a work van and I think it was some, some, some kind of concrete company or something. So like, I mean, how many shoes are you going to work with? So I, 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 I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it seems like. It seems like that might be a missing person case. And I hope that, you know, we find out, you know, whatever happens when they check it out. But knowing what happens in that area, 
and what we heard and experienced our last night there, because uh, uh, like like my experiences at the last night on the mountain there happened literally at that Sprinter van. We we because we when we got there, we turned the RV around at first and shined the lights on the the campsite so we could look. And then we just backed it up a little bit and turned it the other way. So that if it's something happened, we could just, you know, shoot down the mountain and not worry about backing down. Um, so we were right there. I'm curious about what happened to you that night. You know, we haven't even talked about it. And this would have been the second night. So it would have been, uh, at what, Thursday night after the, uh, the movie premiere, you guys headed back up there. And what, what happened when you guys went back up there? Well, we uh, we wrangled a Bigfoot, tied it up, threw it in the back, right? That's what everybody wants. I put it in my garage. I, I promise you, if I did that, <laughs> the world would already know about it. Because I would be able to keep my mouth shut. like, guys, look what I got! <laughs> um, no, so we go up there. And to be honest with you, I didn't think, I, I really didn't feel like um, we would have much activity. Because the first night we went up there, we didn't. It was raining. And it, it's just what, like, we were tired, you know, like I wasn't even really thinking a whole lot at the end of these trips, I, I'm just ready to go home. I'm tired. Like, like I, of all the guys, I'm the one that go, wants to go home the most all the time because I get homesick. I got my wife and the two kids, five years old, two year old. Like I, I love them so much. And so like when I, when I, and it, I didn't know I did this until, uh, Joel brought it to my attention. He said, man, every time we do one of these things, the, within the first day or two, you're the first one that says you're homesick and you're always ready to go home. I'm like, man, I like my wife. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but I, I just, I was tired, man. Like it was my last night there. I knew the next day I was flying back. I was ready to go. And we even briefly thought about maybe just, you know, it was a rainy day. Joel had to be back at the airport at 5 a.m. It was just like, man, maybe we just don't go out there. But we did because we've, you just got to do it. You know, it, it, we got to go and do it. So we go up to the same spot. I told you guys we found the van still. That was obviously very nerve wracking. Uh, it was raining hard. It was a lot of rain. And, you know, going out there with cameras and stuff, it's very difficult. So we devised a plan that was more of a hybrid plan because if anybody ever saw our first film, Expedition Dog Man, you see us literally walking through the Daniel Boone National Forest the entire week. Like we were miles into the Daniel Boone, but we didn't have the rain. Uh, and so Utah, we didn't have the rain. We were in the desert. This was the first time we had to deal with rain and it proved to be difficult. And we got to look into, you know, other options as far as how to protect cameras more. But what we did is we went to the Browns property a few nights before that. And the Browns, they have a way about it where instead of going out looking for Bigfoot, they decide that, Hey, it's best to exist in one place as humans doing human things and they'll come to you. They're curious. They'll come in and look I'm like, all right, cool. I mean, that's probably the easiest big footing night I'll ever have. So let's do it, you know? And so it, it was a nice night, but I thought with us going up there and it being so rainy, let's adopt that strategy, but not totally. Because uh, if anybody knows my buddy, Joel, uh, he is like, he's there for this reason. He's there to be the guy that does the crazy stuff. He's like, Bigfoot suicidal. Like he he's he's ready. If it means he gets to die knowing they exist, he's willing to do that. And uh he might change I know he might change his tune once he <laughs> once he sees it, but uh that's kind of how he is. And so what we did is with all the rain and our concern with the equipment, because you know, some of this stuff is extremely expensive, we decided to stay stick close to the RV so that if we had to duck into uh get out of the rain we could but during lighter moments we could get out there and film but what we did do is we sent joel off by himself up to your encounter spot up the mountain alone when he was going up the mountain and we're all standing at the bottom we're just like bye joel you know just <laughs> godspeed my friend uh <laughs> like it was nerve-wracking it's rainy and the thing that i'm thinking is these things probably could come in pretty close tonight and we wouldn't even hear them because of the rain and the moisture on the ground. Well, Joel's walking up the mountain and when he fi finally came back to us, he said, didn't have much activity, but he did hear something paralleling him going up the mountain. And when Joel came back, we all went in the RV 
and we were talking and reviewing and you know game planning all that stuff you know um also known as eating doritos and laughing uh but <laughs> uh we were talking and ward started getting in the habit of letting his camera audio run i don't know how it works it's a special camera but uh he i guess he doesn't always have to be filming to save battery so he was running the audio and thankfully he was because we heard three knocks on the side of the rv it seemed like it was the side of the rv like three like knocks just like a like a like a tapping sound and um we all stopped We're like did you hear that and we listened to the footage and yep Yep, we heard it. We and we recorded it too. We got it on audio, uh, and so Joel's like, "I want to go out there, man. I want to go out there." I'm like, "All right, bro, uh, off you go." And so we go out there, and he starts walking around. Uh, actually, no, I, I believe actually we kind of stayed inside and looked out the windows while Joel walked around. Uh, and once he declared it was safe, we went out there, and we're filming. And we have night vision cameras. I have two night vision cameras I brought, and we're filming. Ward's using the night vision camera and as he's filming, I'm looking at the screen and I see an orb uh, going across the road right at the RV towards us. Then it pops back in the frame and then goes back into the woods. And when it did that, I had already called the attention to it. And so Ward saw it going back in the woods and we got it on, fo- uh, on footage. Well, when we, when we went back and looked at the film, we're all torn on what it is because to be honest with you, part of me says, it, it might have been a bug. And other guys are like, no, nah, that's an orb, man. Other guys are like, it's a fairy. I'm like, it might be a bug. <laughs> but but uh, it, I also don't know, none of us do, you know, what kind of, you know, what the environment holds up there as far as uh, bugs go when it's cold and raining and snowing. I don't know. Yeah, not there's not very many bugs up there. I know you're down in the south now, but especially this time of year when it's cold, it's raining, it's snowing, not a lot of bugs flying around up there. And even in the summertime, I mean, when it's like 100 degrees in Portland or Vancouver, if you go up there, it's, you know, 15, 20 degrees cooler generally. And even then you don't really deal with a lot of bugs like you might think. But who knows? Could have been a bug. Uh, I I don't know, but I'll tell you what, if it's it's, uh, not a bug, then it looks like we might have ourselves some kind of other being or something. I don't know. But it was interesting is it it seemed to appear out of the woods, come towards us. And then when it got towards the woods, it just disappeared. But it also might be an effect from the night vision camera, you know, the IR light. So, you know, the jury's still out on it. We haven't reviewed the footage yet, but that did happen. But I'll tell you, there's, we, we start throughout the entire evening, we started hearing these vocalizations and they were faint. They were faint. You could tell they were at a distance. It sounded like, though, uh, there were vocalizations coming up the mountain from the river. But then it sounded like there was also vocalizations from the top coming down. And there were times that and I don't even think I said this consciously uh, or out loud at the time. And I wish I, I would have. But um, at times, I almost felt like when I was listening to the shotgun mic that we had pointed down the hill, it almost sounded like I could hear things going in and out of the river, like walking across the water. Like you hear the water, you get used to hearing the water sound and how it's rushing. And all of a sudden you hear something that makes it sound different. And I, I, but what is it? I don't know. But what I know I heard and what Joel heard with me in the moment, we were getting back in the RV, getting ready to probably wind down the night. It was probably, I'd say about three, three thirty in the morning. And we had to start making our way back towards the airport for Joel. Everybody else had just got on the RV. Joel is in front of me, and all of a sudden we hear a deep growl that sounded like it was at least around the corner of the RV next to the RV. And I heard it, and Joel heard it. We looked at each other, and I said, Did you hear that? And he said, Yeah. And I said, It sounded like a growl. And he's like, It sounded like a growl. And it sounded like, and, and what you talk about in your experience is that these growls that you were hearing at one point eventually got to the point where it sounded like it was right there on your shoulder. That's what it sounded like. And like <laughs> my skin started crawling and we kind of just like slowly worked our way to the back of the RV and peered around the corner, didn't see anything. But I'll tell you what, I couldn't wait to get back on that RV. 
uh, when I heard that thing, because the, the only thing I was thinking was, that's exactly what Wes said he experienced. And then he started seeing them, you know? And so we kind of hung out in the RV for a while after we told them and uh, used some uh, night vision binoculars and things like that, looking out windows. We never saw anything, but that growl, I am so glad that I heard it with Joel and Joel heard it too, because it's one of those things where I know for a fact, if I didn't experience it with somebody, I would have always been, always been saying to myself, I don't know if I heard that. Maybe I, 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 moved, I bumped the rocks on the ground and made it sound like that. But Joel heard it too. And it was a deep guttural growl. And it sounded like it was right there behind us. And it scared the hell out of us. It, it, was, it was terrifying. And um, I didn't expect that, man. I really didn't expect I didn't expect the entire night. The, the stuff that we had, you know, it, some people would say, oh, it's nothing. You know, it, who cares? You heard some vocalizations and you, you, you caught a butterfly on camera, you know. Uh, but that growl. That growl, man, I, I'm never going to forget that. That that goes right on the list of things, weird things I've experienced in the woods. And I haven't had many weird experiences. That's right there at the top, right there at the top. Yeah. And, and there's not a lot of things in that area that's going to growl at you the way you're describing it. And I get it, man. I mean, you wouldn't think a growl would terrify you, but it does. That growl happened on the road right across from that that van. Like it, like we could have threw a rock at the van and hit it. I mean, it's right there. So that's what kind of like you drive down the mountain that night going and your, your trips over and you're thinking, man, I wonder whatever happened to that guy. You know, I wonder whatever happened to him. Yeah. I hope that guy's okay too. Like I said, when I, when I first looked at it, I was like, it looks like someone left in a hurry and he sure left a lot of weed behind in containers, just kind of you know, thrown everywhere in his bong. And I mean, it looked like he scattered. And when I saw that, that shoe going up that hill, I was like, mm, I, I don't know, man, because this isn't a park. I mean, you're in the middle of freaking nowhere. And, uh, you know, so I'd, I'd love to know if anything comes of that. I hope he's okay. I hope he just, you know, maybe broke down and walked back into town. It's hard to say. I know in the film, I'd be really curious to see that light that you captured and I know Woody and I had captured a light many years ago in that area after our encounter. And I kind of showed you guys where that's at. And it's all right in the same area. I was impressed with your team. I can't wait to see the film. I know you're going to have uh, Joanna from 299. Uh, Tony thinks it's episode 299. <laughs> you're like me. I never remember the, what episode was what. Um, and then my encounter, and then you went out and filmed the Browns. So all of that's going to be included. I can't wait to see it. And I want to thank all of the members and fans who came out to watch the film with us on Thursday night. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We did kind of a question and answer uh, afterwards. And um, I had a cop, I, I won't say who it is. He probably doesn't want his name on the air, but he gave me a uh, Vancouver Police uh, Department uh, patch. And I was like, man, I got the perfect uh, beanie to put this on. <laughs> Watch me get arrested for impersonating an officer. Uh, but it, I thank you for, for giving that to me. And uh, it was cool to talk to a lot of uh, the eyewitnesses afterwards. I had a guy come up to me. People had asked me during the whole thing, you know, where did the encounter happen? I said, do you know where Molten Falls is? Go past that. You know where Sunset Falls is? Go past that. Kind of explained where it's at. And I had a guy come up to me after uh, we were done and he goes, I know exactly where your encounter happened. And he proceeds to tell me what happened to him. There's an area up there. I was telling you guys, if you go around this corner on your left, uh, the, the road's been cut out. But if you go up that hill uh, where I was showing you where they came down, I go, I think they come off the mountain right there. Well, this guy comes up to me and he, and he starts to go, if you go around this corner and he starts to tell me this exact area, I know exactly where he's talking about, but he was up there and he was run out of there. And he said it was something huge. It had red eyes and he ended up getting out, getting, getting the hell out of there. I um, mean, if he's listening, I would love to have him contact me as well, but it was fun to meet the fans and have questions and one of the questions kind of surprised me. I forget who asked it. I wish I could remember. They were like, is there any sort of competition between you guys? And I was like, no. Um, and I think it, it kind of shocked them 
you know, because in the Bigfoot community, everything's competition. You're going to cut the guy's, the next guy's throat to get ahead or somewhere in their mind, they think they're getting ahead. And I think they were shocked by the answer, which, which kind of surprised me. I mean, I was a little surprised by the question, but I think we surprised them with the answer of, no, we're friends. There's no, like I root for Tony's success. There's no competition here. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that, that actually, that idea comes up to me a lot. And I, I actually get excited when people bring that up to me because it's like, it's an opportunity for me to share another side of what this could be for, you know, content creators, YouTubers, pod- podcasters, all that. It doesn't need to be a competition. It doesn't need to be cutthroat because you all thrive together. You know, a rising tide raises all ships, right? Well, like, first of all, whenever somebody asks that stuff, I'm like, if it was a competition, Wes already won it. And so like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not even sweating it, you know? And so the, the, the pressure's off my back. But, um, I'll tell you, you and me have been friends since the beginning of my podcast and you've been generous to me and, uh, you know, talked about me when it was applicable. And there's another podcaster out there that I've become friends with over the years, uh, Sam Sam Tripoli from Tinfoil Hat Podcast. And, um, you know, like he's got a huge show. He doesn't need to do people favors. Uh, He's friends, like literally friends with Joe Rogan. Like he was on Rogan's podcast. And the guy had ever since I've got to know him, which I was a guest on a show and then he brought me back several other times. He's always just been extremely generous with advice. And he basically, anytime you want to come on, just let me know kind of thing. The same with you. And I always use you and him as examples as to why I am the way I am with podcasting. Um, I, over the years, I've become friendly with podcasters, other you know people. And as, as long as you're a cool dude and you don't do anything that to, you know, you know, screw up the relationship, like we're going to be cool and we're going to be chill. And then you can come on my show. And I like, I, and I tell people when they come on my show, I'm like, promote yourself. You know, like when you come on, tell people where they can find you. And I, I always tell the guys like, when you come on, hit a home run, like kill it. Because if you kill it, you're going to give people a reason to actually come and check you out. And uh, I just want to, pe- I want to see people succeed, you know? And, uh, and I got that example from you and him. So when that guy uh, stood up and asked, you know, if it was a competition, like I already knew what the answer was for you and me, you know, it's like, absolutely not. I mean, it's a, it's a brotherhood, you know, it's not a competition. If I succeed, you're happy and you're, and, 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 and you benefit and vice versa, because, you know, we're on each other's shows so much that it's like, you know, if, if people are listening to my show for the first time and they're, and they're digging it and all of a sudden they start hearing about the Sasquatch Chronicles, Wes Germer thing, they, they can go check you out. And so, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, no competition. I don't think. Let me know if it changes, though. No, not at all. No drama here. No competition. <laughs> this is drama free. Uh, and it's yeah, I think people are shocked by that for some reason. It's too bad we live in a world where people are shocked where two guys doing the same thing. There's no competition and they're rooting for each other. I guess it's maybe odd in this world. But uh, even when I joke around about you on the air, I'll get people who are like, you're such a scumbag. You're such a jerk, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you get we're friends, right? Like I, Tony and I are really good friends. Like I root for a success. I'm, I'm just joking around and go back to your safe place. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, there's, there's no drama here. Uh, but it was really great to see you, Tony. And I really hope people go and check out your film, The Shape of Shadows. I hope they see the Bigfoot film, uh, that you guys just, just did. And, I can't wait to see some of the things that you had captured. And uh, for the listeners out there, go to the confessionalspodcast.com. Check out Tony's, uh, his website. He's got a beautiful website, great podcast, great content up there. If you're listening to this on whatever podcast player you're listening to, uh, go check out his show, The Confessionals, if you haven't yet. Uh, Tony, thanks so much for coming on, man. It was great seeing you. Well, thanks for having me, man. It was great hanging out with you. And like I said to you, I, I told you after I left and stuff, we, you and I need to make a habit of getting together once a year. Not for cameras, just, just to hang out. I miss you, man. Yeah, we definitely have to plan that. Thanks again, Tony. And that's it for tonight, everyone. Remember, if you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. If you get a chance, check out sasquatchchronicles.com. You can become a member and get additional shows. Until next time, everyone.
Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends, family, enemies. I don't care who you share it with, but if you enjoyed it, share it with them. And I hope that they enjoy it as much as you did. All right, friends, listen, before we get out of here, just a reminder, this Thursday, we're dropping the members appy. So if you're a member, look forward to that and the special instructions, which will be labeled on the members homepage. We're going to put the instructions right there on the members homepage. You can't miss it. Just go to members homepage right there and you'll be able to get all the instructions you need to log into the app and start enjoying it. But until next Tuesday, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Source from the chair up and lies on me like wings from a stair.